right, welcome. How many having a good week? It's a good week. How many have allergies? Man, it hit me hard yesterday. We were messing with the lawn and the, it just hit. And so, uh, rough night with the, with just, I guess, hay fever or whatever. Um, so, we are in a real church, both literally and figuratively. We studying the real church and uh, uh, we've talked about the beginning of the church and how, it's, how the church itself is gathered around an assembly of called out believers. And so we want to continue that. We want to talk about the aspects of the real church. And so today we're going to be talking about, if you can guess from the song, faith, uh, a real faith that we have. Um, if you open up your Bibles, we're going to be, uh, our key verse today, we're going to be in 1 Peter. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter. So uh, they're near the, near the back of the New Testament, 1 Peter. Um, and we're going to look at this, this concept of a real faith. Many of you, we all have faith in something. You have faith that your seat's going to work correctly when you sit down. Amen? So praise the Lord. we got good structural seats that we can confidently sit down. You don't, have to, you don't have to go inspect it every time. You have faith that it's going to do what it's supposed to do. And I hope, uh, my hope for all of us, uh, when you're saved, that you have this confident faith. That you don't have to wake up in the morning and go, Today am I going to trust? Today am I going to... Today do I believe that he is who he is and that he did what he did and he saved me? Do I, do, are, we, are we going to question it each time? I hope not. A real faith doesn't question that. A real faith doesn't mean a real faith you don't go through struggles. Doesn't, don't, the devil's not attacking you. Doesn't, we don't have trials and tribulations and heaviness in our life. But um, a real faith will lead us through and get us through that. So in 1 Peter, um, Peter's writing in uh, on chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. I think I said that right. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. That's his, his, his opening, his greeting to the churches that he just talked about right there. Now, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again unto a lively hope, a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, uh, now, though, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. This is the, we don't, we're not spared just because we are saved and not spared uh, times of, um, of trouble and heaviness. That the trial of your faith, being much more present, we're in verse 7, more at present than the gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and in whom, though ye see him not, ye believing, ye rejoice in joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. So a lot of stuff there that we can take to help us understand a real faith. Do you have that real faith this morning? 
can you, can you say, before we even go into the details of this, of, of maybe uh, our evidence of this real faith, do you, do you have that? Not this flowy feeling of, oh, yeah, things are, I just, I had an experience. No, just this real faith in a real God, a real Jesus, who was crucified, rose again for our salvation. So, real faith. There are many churches today, sadly, where folks don't have faith. They're counting on religion this morning. Um, the, there's agnostics who, who are going, you ask them, and they're like, you can't really know. Like, they don't have nothing to say. They have nothing to prove that you can't really know. We have something to prove that you can know. And then you have the atheist who says there is no God. They've just chosen to deny that there's a God in heaven. Now, what's the old military adage? There's no uh, atheists in foxholes, right? That's, that's good now when things are going good for you and your 401K is doing well and, and uh, uh, life, is, you know, life is good for yourself. But man, when you're, you're in the trials, people look towards someone. So uh, real faith in Scripture, however, provides hope, encouragement, and stability. And uh, I hope that we have that today. So number one, real faith provides hope hope. In this world that we're seeing right now, everything that's going on, you, you see the desperation in people. Uh, you hear it in the conversations. Uh, it's very easy. It's very easy to get caught up in political discussions. Uh, the, the status of how people are, just the way life is. And you remember in every generation, uh, for the Christian, it's always bad. You're wondering, not, not bad, it's in the sense that you're going, you know, Jesus is coming sooner. Jesus, and, and it seems to me in this day and age, it's like, Jesus, you can come now. You know what, I, I don't care about the, the retirement plan. I don't care about these things. Just come now because, boy, you're just on the doorstep of returning. But the hope that we see is, um, on the practical side, is that this is just evidence of everything that we're seeing, of what he said, of what was said in the Bible about what was going to happen the last days. Um, we have a hope. Um, in 1 Peter, in verse 3 of that, uh, we, blessed be, uh, uh, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have faith in a risen Savior. There's an empty tomb. There's no shrine to Jesus Christ. There's a shrine to Confucius, and there's a shrine to Muhammad, and there's these things that people are going to worship blindly or devoutly, devoutly maybe. But we have an empty tomb. He's a living God. Christ died for us and rose. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, we'll read several verses here. If you turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, <clears throat> we have several verses here that talk about the resurrection and our belief in the resurrection and why it's important. In verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Uh, in 14, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and our faith is also vain. If he's not risen, why are we here? You know, why does pastor preach every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or whenever available? What, and then why do we sit here and listen? It's vain. You know? 
So, and then skip to 17. And if Christ be not raised, our faith is in vain. Ye are in your sins. Boy, uh, and go to 19. What, what happens with that? And if in this life we only hope in Christ, we only hope in a, an image of Christ, a story of Christ, uh, of this, this some, people call, some people who don't know the Lord call him a prophet. Yeah, oh yeah, he was a good man. He was a prophet, whatever. No, son of God, crucified, risen. If we only hoped in just this name of Christ, we are all most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. So he, he proved what he said. Risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So he is, the, he is the resurrection. For the unsaved, their hopes are dying hopes. But for us, God's people, our hope is alive and real. So if we have hope in, this, if we have hope in Christ, we have this faith in Christ, um, do we, do we have to have proof of it? We do have proof of it. We do in our own lives and the Bible. So letter A, it's, uh, it's based, our faith is based on the witness of the apostles. The witness of the apostles. In the court of law, um, you can accuse someone, you can witness against or for someone, one or two people, and that provides a testimony. I'm so thankful that the Bible records that Christ was seen by his apostles, the ones that actually saw him crucified, also saw him risen. We have some, and then more than 500 additional, it's recorded. So, so we have some of, the, uh, some of these 512 that actually saw were there when he died. They heard him say it is finished. They heard him um, give up the ghost. They wept. Many of them forgot what he said was going to happen and were grieving. And then they got to see him meet him again in, in, in his res, after his resurrection. Um, so they were the eyewitness, the witnesses of the apostles. Um, in 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 5 through 6, it says, And he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that, he was seen above 500 at once of whom the greater part remaineth unto the present. Some are fallen asleep, some have passed now. So we have a, we have a death that, it's, his death is not a fable. This is not an Aesop fable. This is the, the Bible telling us that we have witness accounts of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, I, I, I like how um, this one author put it, and, and so so. People today who don't know the Lord could say, yeah, that's a great story. It's just a story. But think of, put, think of it from the apostles, some of these apostles' um, uh, background and wh what happened after this. Uh, one author said it this way, what happened as a result of the resurrection is unprecedented in human history. In the span of a few hundred years, a small band of seemingly insignificant believers succeeded in turning an entire empire upside down. These believers faced torture, vilification, and even cruel deaths for what they fervently believed to be true. Remember this. Their willingness in the face of persecution is further proof of his resurrection since it's inconceivable that anybody and these disciples would be willing to die for what they knew to be a lie. 
I wouldn't be willing to die for something that I wasn't sure of or, or that I knew to be a lie. I, I wouldn't. But these were willing to die. That should give us greater faith. It should strengthen our faith. that We believe in the same faith that these disciples did, that gave their lives. Same faith. No different. In 2 Peter 1.16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables uh, when, we, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The apostles, having their witness, it should encourage and strengthen our faith. Our faith. Uh, we have an even surer foundation in the hope of Jesus' resurrections, not only from their, their witness, but the word of God itself. Uh, letter B, based, based on the witness of the apostles, and it's based on the word of God. The word of God. <clears throat> the word of God is incor- incorruptible and, endure- and eternally enduring. Uh, in 1 Peter uh, 1, 23-25, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is of, is of grass, and all the glory of man is the power of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof fadeth away. But the word of the Lord, chapter uh, verse 25, the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is a word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This is the same word that is preached unto you here. Um, we believe in the literal, literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's eyewitness testified, and the, and the word of God records it. False religion confused this, and they stir up doubts. But real faith promises hope, and it binds us together in our faith. So it provides hope. The real faith provides hope. But it also, too, it also uh, provides, promises heaven. It promises heaven. So many religions claim to believe in heaven, but they don't promise it. A kind of common theme in, in many religions is uh, heaven's, you can get there if, there's always an if. If you're good enough, can't tell you how good enough. If you, if you um, sacrifice enough, uh, there's no amount of sacrifice that can compare to Christ on the cross. Um, they, they, they can have a belief in heaven, it also might be a heaven that's a, kind of a, an idea. It's not a place. It's a nirvana. Well, that's not what it is. That's not what the Bible says. In 1 Peter 1, 4, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that faith not away, reserved in heaven for you. An inheritance, a place. Uh, when, you, when we talk in Dave Ramsey about inheritance, we talk about uh, uh, leaving a legacy for your family. Um, some of that inheritance might be a home. Um, it might be uh, money. It might be, uh, it might be possessions that were uh, of, a, of a special nature to, to, the, to the deceased to, the, that, that were special to them. They want to something. It's an inheritance. And so uh, in 1 Peter, Peter's talking about an inheritance incorruptible, a perfect inheritance, this place called heaven. And it's a real place, a real place. It's not nirvana. It's not a mystical experience. It's not a surreal experience. It's not a, it's not a different level of the earth. It is heaven, a real place reserved for us, a real place. Um, 
First, it's an, it's an inherited property. The Bible refers to it as inheritance incorruptible. And this speaks of a tangible property that can be received. So, look at John 14, 1 through 3. John 14, 1 through 3. That sounds great. Uh, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I love that. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may, you may be also. So God, Christ is giving several promises here. I mean, it's quite nice that, that he, he builds on himself. He says, there are many mansions. I would have told you if there weren't. But we know Christ not to be a liar. So I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I'm also coming again. So we have that hope, that faith that Christ is coming again. Jesus describes heaven as an inherited property for the believer. It's also talked about in Revelation uh, about heaven as a real place. And it points out the best part of heaven will be. Notice in verse 3, I'll just skip to here. uh, And I heard the voice uh, out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And this is out of Revelation 21, verse 3. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Remember we talked about that. We don't have a perfect church down here. We serve a perfect God, but we're corruptible people. But we'll have the perfect church with God in heaven. Amen. Uh, So, um, we spent yesterday ripping out every shrub around our house. So I had to, had to be very careful with my back. But we, we got done. We ripped out every shrub. The reason we had to do this is because my house is corruptible. My house has evidence of some termites. Not, not falling apart or anything like that. But we just want to take care of it and do the tent of shame over our house this week. So, so we had to pull all the shrubs so they wouldn't be killed as, they, uh, um, as the, the tent gets on and, and the gas goes through the house. It's a corruptible house. No matter how much I tried to keep the paint on it nice, the roof nice, um, termites can still get in. Ants can still get in. It's corruptible. Boy, I'm looking forward to the day in heaven when, man, the jade can just grow next to the mansion and I don't have to pull it up every six years. When, when there is no corruption in the things of heaven. He promises that. So, so like a brand new house, even though you buy a brand new house, just had a house built. Six months later, you're going to be doing some kind of maintenance, right? Um, Romans speaks of our abode in earth as the bondage of corruption. If you open up to Romans 8, verse 20 and 21, bondage of corruption. Our, our life is the bondage of corruption. I, I'm so glad that we get to go through this life with the Lord. I, guys, I... I I can't imagine how people can do it without the Lord. And for a season they can. Maybe. (laughs) But this is all temporary. Um, In verse 20 of, uh, of Romans 8. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same hope. Because the creature itself... Also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. In heaven, we will be liberated from corrupt, this corruption. 
We'll be liberated from the issues and uh, the life here on earth. And we'll be in the reality of God's glory. So uh, there was a story, of, a fictitious story of a, of a couple that went to, uh, died and went to heaven. Of course, in every story you meet St. Peter at the gates of heaven. So, uh, and then he takes them into heaven and he shows them all the scrumptious food and everything that's perfect in heaven. And, uh, uh, and he says, what do you think? This, he says, this is pretty wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. And he looks over at his wife and he says, if you wouldn't have fed me all those bran muffins, I could have been here 10 years earlier. You know? So, but it's perfect. Uh, heaven is perfect. And we have a welcome home in heaven. Now, life on earth is precious. God's given us, God's given us here. I am so thankful that when we got saved, I'm talking to saved folks, if you're not saved, we're going to talk about that, but if you got saved, that Christ didn't take you home right away. Because honestly, that'd be creepy. If you think about it, oh yeah, I got saved, so he's gone. It sounds like a sci-fi movie, right? No, Christ has a plan for us. He has us here to, to, to continue on, to get others saved. Um, the road may be narrow, but all can fit on it. That's, that's the second part that's not really said. All can fit on it. So, life is precious, but heaven is perfect. And God has us here for a reason. He, uh, let her be, it's, a, it's not only a real place, it's a reserved place. It's a reserved place. It, heaven is attainable. All we have to do is know the, know the owner. Know Christ. Accept him as our Savior, and we have a reserved place in he heaven. It's uh, back to First Peter verse four. The end, end of verse four was reserved in heaven for you, for me, for the saved. Heaven can only be reserved through the real faith in Christ. The Bible speaks of this this reservation in Colossians one and in John fourteen and in multiple verses. Let's just go to John fourteen six. Jesus said, saith unto him, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. John 14, 6. I am the way. It's not I am a way. I am the way. What's that word? Um, Christianity, faith in Christ. It, it, it is specific. And so many, even in Christendom today, are falling for the, he's okay. He, he knows of God. He, I mean, devil, I, I just always reminded, the devil knows God. And he calls him Lord. He knows in the face of a holy God, in the face of Christ, he has to call him Lord. He doesn't serve him, but he has to call him Lord. And, we, and so we need to remember that our God, he is a God that, that, that has the key, has a reservation for us in heaven. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone, 1 Peter 1.5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed, be revealed in the last time. So um, there is a reservation in heaven for you. I love the fact that he has something waiting for us. 
And no matter how good things in this earth get at seasons, it doesn't compare to a heaven above. It doesn't compare. Uh, you'll, you'll maybe have heard the term when we, when we talk about our loved ones and our senior saints or somebody who's been saved and goes to heaven. We grieve here. We don't grieve as the world does. But we all know that they would, probably, they would not want to come back. There's nothing, when you know the Lord, when you know Christ, when you have a reservation in heaven, uh, when we go to be with him, there's nothing. As, as wonderful as I think I am to my wife, there's no way she would want to come back. <laughs> he provides that reservation for you. So we have a hope. We have a hope that we saw with the uh, apostles and with the 500. We have a hope that was recorded in the Bible. We have a heaven uh, that we get to, uh, that we know it's real, and we know it's reserved for, for the Christian, for the saved uh, uh, believer. But what about now? What does our faith do for us now? And there, there, there are non-Christians that will ask you, what, what does your faith do for you? What good is it doing you? You're still here with me. You're still paying the same gas prices as I am. I don't know. What does real faith do for us? What, the real faith, number three, it promises help. It promises help. I don't know. I've seen cars go longer. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, when you have a faith in, in Christ and faith in God, I, I'm, I'm not saying the name it, claim it. This is not name it, claim it. This is not, hey, if you give, pastors never, ever said this, put $100 in the, in the offering plate, you will get 1000 back tomorrow. There are churches that will say that. And that nowhere is that backed up by the Bible. Doesn't mean God can't do that. No. If he chooses to. But he might choose for you to, to give your tithe and be obedient and then still suffer some. Trying your faith. We're going to talk about that. So, so he, real faith in God gives us help. It's practical, helpful faith in, in, for, for us in this life. First Peter, go back to our text verses in 1 Peter 1. We'll look at 6 and 7. Wherein ye greatly, I'm sorry, I got dry mouth here. Wherein ye greatly rejoice through Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, um, how does he provide help? Well, he provides help, letter A, in our heavy times. Has your soul ever been heavy? You know, that grieving, that heaviness, that... Um, some people might even call it depression, different things like that, 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 um, uh, that people struggle with. Uh, for the Christian, it's just that heaviness of soul. We, we have a heavy soul. It doesn't change our faith. Remember, we're in a corruptible world. Um, uh, we, we're in a sinful world. We are sinful. But we have a faith in a God who uh, can lighten our loads. Uh, situations that uh, place heavy loads on our shoulders. Sometimes uh, we, we might lose sight of what's going on, of, of the Lord. But the Lord is our help in heavy times. And he reminds us that our burdens are only 
for a season. Only for a season. Um, and that season, it might be a literal season. It might be a lifetime. But it's still a season in eternity. Um, first, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For your light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us as far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Uh, when we're in the midst of a burden, it seems that if it, it might go on forever, but it won't. It won't. It's only for a season. Romans uh, 8.18 For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. Amen. Just uh, This is all temporal. Trials for a season. And, and they're for a reason. First Peter, uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5.10 But the God of grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. It's for a reason. Many Christians learn more about the Lord in six months through a trial than they do at six years sitting, listening to preaching. Not that preaching's not great. It's, it's wonderful. Not, not my preaching, but, but uh, my teach, just teaching lesson. But, but what I'm saying is, is when you're grounded in your faith and you're going through a trial, the prayer would be that you get closer to the Lord and know more about the Lord through that. Now, I'll admit, I want to know more about the Lord through the good times. I'll admit, I don't want to go through a trial, you know. But I'm not promised that we won't be going through trials and have heaviness. So uh, uh, help in our heavy times, but also help in our trying times. Trying is, uh, let her be, trying, uh, we talk a lot about um, gold and trial by fire. Uh, when, you, when you want to purify gold, you have to use heat. When you want to purify precious metals, you have to use heat. You have to get rid of the impurities if you want to have something that's pure. The heat gets rid of that. And so in, in this time, uh, we, many times we're tried by fire. Uh, and God allows trials to purify our faith and refine our motives for him. Job 23.10, uh, Job says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Man, I hope I could have that faith like, like Job did. When he tries me, I'll come forth as gold. Uh, Romans 8.25 uh, Even though these trials, they don't separate us from, from uh, God's love. They don't separate um, us from him. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35 of Romans 8. Tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor present things, nor uh, things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. No matter what I do, he still loves me. There's no fiery trial hot enough to dissolve God's cords of love for us. Uh, he, will, he promises he'll be with us and he'll help us. 
That's what our faith, having faith in him, there's a promise there. Hebrews 13, 5, 6, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Remember, he's not a liar. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. So no matter how bad that gas price gets, how, mad, how expensive that loaf of bread or whatever, he still loves us. He's not surprised. And it gives us, it strengthens our faith in today's uh, age. That we're closer, we're one step closer. We're every minute, we're one minute closer to a Christ returning. And if he tarries and he doesn't come in my time, it doesn't mean he lied. It just wasn't during my time. But I know where I'm going to be because I have a place in heaven reserved for me and I can have confidence. I can have faith in that because of what he said and what he, um, uh, what he did on the cross because of, because of the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, I have talked. We're in a Sunday school class and I have talked to the, to the saved in here. But it doesn't mean we're all saved. If you don't know Christ is your personal Savior, oh, your faith is in vain. You're stepping in, into a, a, a church building as wonderful as, as this place is. You're stepping in in vain if you don't accept him today. And that's recognizing that a God in heaven sent his son to die for our sins, to become sin for us, because we're not good enough to do it for ourselves. And he became sin for us, died a criminal's death on the cross, a gross death on, on a cross, cruel. Died, was buried, and rose again so that we could have a place in heaven, so we could have hope now, and we could have a faith in a wonderful God that loves us. I hope, if you don't know the Lord today, I hope today that you find him. Because he's here and he's waiting. And he is, uh, his arms are open wide. So it's a real faith. Our church, we teach about a real faith. And we want you to, to take hold of that. We want you to uh, be encouraged by your faith in, in Christ. It's not in the things that you do. It's not, it's not in the fact that I trust him. It's not what I do. It's what he did and what he promises. So we have a wonderful God who loves us and wants us uh, uh, to have a faith in him and have true hope in him. So a real faith. Um, today, it's going to be a big day. We're going to have uh, church service in a few minutes. We're going to be able to fellowship for a couple minutes um, as, uh, as we get ready to transition. And then tonight, fellowship after church service. And so we'll go over the details on, uh, uh, it's a potluck fellowship, um, uh, finger food type fellowship. And uh, we'll go over the details of that, but we'll want to be a part of that. So let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you that, Lord, we can have a real faith, a real, uh, real hope in you, Lord. And I thank you for what you did on the cross for us. And the fact that, Lord, we can't do anything to earn our way to a, a pre precious and incorruptible heaven. But you did provide a way. Lord, we sure do love you. Just ask that now, Lord, that... Uh, uh, you'd be in the next hour, be with the pastor as he brings the message. Be with our, our church family, Lord, as we fellowship and encourage one another. And just, uh, Lord, I would pray that everything that we do and everything that's said is pleasing to you this day. In your precious name we pray.
Amen. Thanks for being in your seats this morning.